Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. Who took the bomb? From WBEZ Chicago and PRX, this is Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. And I'm Jim DeRogatis. Fifty years ago this summer, Apollo 11 successfully put a man on the moon. In honor of that giant leap, Sound Opinions is going to space with an interplanetary selection of songs. Hey, Mr. Spaceman, won't you please take me along? I won't do anything wrong. Plus, we'll review the latest from hip-hop and R&B artist Lizzo. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott here with my partner, Jim DeRogatis. And this week, we've got our picks of songs about outer space from across the sonic galaxy, from Sun Ra to Portishead. That's later in the show, but first we've got some new music to review. I've been waiting for this one. Turn it up! Slow songs, they for skinny hoes. Can't move all of this here to one of those. I'm a thick stick, I need tempo. Get up to the tempo. That is a little bit of tempo, a track from the new Lizzo album, Cause I Love You. Her major label debut album, Melissa Jefferson, born in Detroit, grew up in Houston, where she uh, became a rapper. She's been based in Minneapolis since 2011, where she's done everything from indie rock to hip-hop, and uh, began blending the styles on her recordings. Her breakthrough record, Big Girl, Small World, in 2015, really set the blueprint for the rest of her career uh, so far. Brief as it has been, she has turned into a symbol, uh, a role model for her body-positive feminist perspective and uh, what she calls her no-genre hip-hop, which is another way of saying she's blending everything from gospel to (laughs) classical music. And when I say classical, I'm not kidding. She plays the flute, and she plays it pretty damn well. Exactly. An indication of the level of respect that she's gotten from, uh, you know, a multitude of artists from a different genre. She's toured with a variety of acts, including uh, Slater Kinney, Haim, and Florence and the Machine. She's collaborated with RuPaul and Prince. There was an EP for Atlantic that came out in 2016 called Coconut Oil, and now we have the album Cause I Love You. Uh, We're going to play a track from it before we review it. Let's listen to Like a Girl from Lizzo on Sound Opinions. Uh, Woke up feeling like I just might run for president. Even if there ain't no precedent. Switching up the messaging. I'm about to add a little estrogen.
That is Like a Girl by the inimitable Lizzo from her major label debut, Cause I Love You. I love Lizzo, Greg. I just, I love Lizzo. She is a character. She is uh, 100% her own woman. The uh, body positivity, you know, she says, I am a fat black woman. And she (laughs) makes no apologies. She is proud of it. And she's got an incredible sense of humor. I am surprised by the handful of reviews I've seen kind of griping about the polish on this major label debut. Because uh, if we go back to, say, the indie rock 80s, right, when when a band, say, Husker Du, gets signed, and they don't go wrong, but they take advantage of what you get from that major label bankroll to finally realize the sound in pristine glory in a recording studio. There are a lot of producers uh, on this album. There are a lot of, uh, of, of guests appearances, but it's always 100% Lizzo. You know, Gucci Mane pops up on exactly how I feel. I feel like hurting they feelings. I don't get mad, I get millions. It's still Lizzo's song. It's all Lizzo's song. Even when she is doing what I hear as very self-consciously a, uh, a nod to Prince, whose uh, Plectrum Electrum she appeared on. Jerome is one of those great Prince kiss-off songs, you know? But it's, in her case, directed to uh, to a boyfriend. She's got no time for him anymore. She has moved on. <laughs> Jerome what a good mainstream pop record should sound like. You should want to hear it nonstop everywhere all the time, and I do. Yeah, I mean, uh, to an extent I agree with you, but I also I do have my reservations about this record. I, I really think that she has proven indisputably that she is a powerhouse singer, and this record was clearly an effort to showcase that. Uh, you know, here's a woman who had some doubts about whether she could sing at all. And, you know, she's uh, she's got the range, you know. She's a gifted rapper. Uh, she, she started singing her own hooks. Now she's singing entire songs here. I think her producers do try to put her in that box, uh, and she's fighting her way out of it. I like when Lizzo gets quirky. I love when I hear in heaven help me there's somebody sobbing audibly in the background of that song and then yep, there's yep, the flute yep, yep. solo that's consoling that person You know, those are the kind of little touches that she can throw in that no other artist can do. I think this album ought to be framed as a battle between, you know, that the mainstream trying to streamline a, uh, a what I think is a great artist, and this I, artist I, also can... fighting to get out of that box. <laughs> how can you say that? I think I she's think taken... I think you're I think you're you're, you're giving her uh, you're cutting her no, some slack because you like is... her so much, and I, I do, do too. And this rockest I... popist thing, you know what I mean? I hear a subversive and truly distinctive artist taking the machine and using it the way she wants to. I don't oh yeah. Hear 
mean, it's, it, going it's on It's definitely here. here, but why why work with these mainstream producers? Why work with uh, you know the ex ambassadors and, and Ricky money. Reed? She's done the indie rock thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's she's yeah. done the indie thing. She's yeah. done the the underground Minneapolis thing. I think this is a good record, but I think she's got a better one in her for Atlantic, and I just hope they don't turn her into like all the other. I mean, you know, I think Lizzo is taking something like like a girl, and she is singing to the nine year old young women of America and the young boys, and she is uh, is inviting them to her club to, mm-hmm. to, to have a new ideal, and the ideal is Lizzo. She's my ideal. I'm sorry. I'm t- I will truck no criticism of Lizzo. All right, so we have some differences of opinion on that Lizzo record. I think it's pretty good. Jim thinks it's fabulous. Uh, and now we want to hear from you. What's your opinion on the new Lizzo record? Give us a call at 888-859-1800 to leave a message with your thoughts. When we come back, songs about space. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. I am with the uh, irascible Greg Cott. And today we are sharing some of our favorite songs about outer space in honor of the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landing. Greg, I'll never forget uh, my mom waking me up at age five. I was very big on astronauts to see uh, human beings walk on the surface of another interstellar body. I Mm. I was a huge space buff. You know, what always strikes me is just the ambition that we had half a century ago as human beings to dare. (laughs) What an audacious idea. Hey, you see that thing up there in the sky that's been uh, mesmerizing all of humankind for centuries? Let's go take a walk. (laughs) You know, the thing about space is it's endless. It's deep. It's mind-boggling. And you know, Naturally, this has inspired many musicians. We're going to do some songs about this concept, and you are leading us off. Yes, indeed. Uh, Endless fascination with space uh, as human beings, as artists, as communicators. Uh, I don't think anyone did it better than Parliament on Mothership Connection, uh, their 1975 album. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit, or maybe more than a little bit, in this segment here, Jim, about... Uh, the whole concept of Afrofuturism and this whole yes. idea of space as the next world, the next planet, the next possibility for, you know, African Americans, for the African Utopia. people. Absolutely. A way of creating a better world for themselves. George Clinton of uh, Parliament Funkadelic fame uh, was one of the architects of that vision of that sound in the 70s with uh, both Parliament and Funkadelic. The Mothership Connection record, you know, we have returned to reclaim the pyramid. This is what uh, <laughs> George Clinton, in the guise of the star child, uh, the narrator of this, of this song, is talking about. You know, the, the whole idea that we can take this all the way back to ancient Egypt that we were meant to live in a better world and, and say, okay, now space is the place. Space is where we want to go. Space is where this next world will be. So he's got this sort of messianic alter ego uh, playing against this fabulous band that was assembled, uh, that, that was Parliament in, in the 70s. You know, Maceo Parker and Fred Wesley, former James Brown sidemen, um, on this record in this brilliant horn section along with Joe Farrell and the Brecker Brothers, Bootsy Collins on bass, Bernie Worrell on a multitude of keyboards. It needs to be said that Bernie Worrell was a key 
part of that futuristic sound. I mean, those keyboards sounded like they were from space. They evoked the whole idea of space travel. And you're going to hear it on, on, on this song. Here's Parliament with Mothership Connection on Sound Opinions. Well, all right. Star Child, citizens of the universe, recording angels. We have returned to claim the pyramids. Partying on the mothership, I am the mothership connection. Get down in 3D, light year group. Well, all right, you hear the noise, ain't nobody but me and the boys. Get down. Connection, who can forget seeing <laughs> Parliament land a spaceship on the stage of those arenas in the 70s? I mean, that was something that you will never forget if you are at, at all a space geek like uh, I think many of us are. A space was never so funky as when George <laughs> Clinton decided to go there, nor was space ever so greasy, dirty, uh, truckerish as when Hawkwind decided to go there. There was a, a famous uh, live album of Hawkwind in the early days, Greasy Truckers Party. You know, if you could ride a hog into space, it would have been Hawkwind that would have done it. These bikers, these uh, meth heads, but also acid heads. Um, you know, the early... Hawkwind period, the classic lineup when you had Nick Turner on sax and woodwinds, a wonderful pioneering synthesizer player named uh, Michael Davies, a.k.a. Dick Mick, the guitarist, vocalist who's been the driving force forever, Dave Brock, and of course, one Lemmy Kilmeister on bass. Man, uh, the combination of 1971's In Search of Space and the next album, 1972's Do Re Mi, Faux soul, latido. <laughs> you know, yeah. they were they were out there. They were they were they were surfing the cosmos. They were looking for trouble. Uh, they were they were in outer space so deep. The the song to me, which is lyrical genius, is space is deep. Now, Greg, I want to lay some wisdom on you. Space is dark. It is so endless. When you're lost, it's so relentless. Yes! Yes, Hawkwind! Yes! Uh, What else did he write? Hawkwind! Here it is. 1972, Space is Deep. Space is dark, it is so endless. When you're lost, it's so relentless. It is so big, it is so small. Why does my judge? Deep in 
Space is Deep by the Mighty Hawkwind. I, I maintain, Greg, you know, there's a lot of Hawkwind albums. and uh, but, but if you go for that uh, twofer, 71's In Search of Space and 72's Do, Re, Mi, Fo, Sol, La, yeah. Do, that's, you're, you're, you're styling. Yeah, it's a pretty, I, I, you know, had the opportunity to see Hawkwind a few times, as I'm sure you have, and uh, mm-hmm. the whole show is based, framed around this idea that we're taking you somewhere, man. <laughs> you're going to well, leave it, this room and we're going to blast a hole through that ceiling and we're going somewhere with They them. had two talented science fiction writer poets yeah. Michael Moorcock and uh, uh, Robert Calvert writing many of their lyrics and it, mm-hmm. the, the, the lyrics are as trippy as the music well I want to uh, talk about another uh, space head and that is Dave Windorf uh, the vocalist songwriter brainchild of the group Monster Magnet uh, they associated with the stoner rock movement in the 90s early 2000s had a few hits along the way Windorf had this uh, gift for writing about space with sort of a cartoonish veneer. In fact, the character in this song, the, the title character of Negasonic Teenage Warhead, uh, inspired a <laughs> fictional comic book character a few years later. Uh, so, you know, the, the fans of this band love uh, Windorf not only for the heavy rock, but for the uh, imagination that he brings to these lyrics. This song was framed in the mid-90s as the grunge alternative rock scene was in full bloom. Uh, Windorf looked askance at that whole scene because of what he saw as a bunch of mopey, depressed guys singing about their problems, which he, he thought was completely antithetical. Uh, to to his vision of rock. And essentially what the song is saying is that, you know what, I'm going to come down from my throne in Venus and deny all of you. In fact, that's the <laughs> primary <laughs> chorus in this, in this song. I will deny you, baby. You know, I'm not going to believe what you say. I'm not going to allow myself to be subject to this vision of rock, which I don't believe in. So, you know, he, he, let's, let's put it this way. Uh, there's a tongue-in-cheek aspect to this song, and at the same time, this kind of visionary approach to rock that inspired a comic book uh, space alien character. Uh, that song has it all, in, in other words. Monster Magnet with Negasonic Teenage Warhead from 1995 on Sound Opinions. Saw your face last night on the Strong, fine snake in a sucker's vacuum. Fifteen clicks and it's time to say bye. Fifteen trips and a love that won't die. 
Negasonic Teenage Warhead from Monster Magnet on Sound Opinions. Jim, you've got another song about Space Wars, right? I just have to say, it's a good day in Sound Opinions land when we can play Hawkwind in some Monster Magnet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going yeah. to continue uh, uh, our... Our buried treasure, guilty pleasure, uh, secret uh, passion here by playing PM Dawn. I think it's been a couple of years since I shared my unapologetic uh, enthusiasm for these underrated geniuses from Jersey City, New Jersey. That period in the early 90s where PM Dawn burst onto the scene uh, with, uh, you know, just a startlingly different sound. Uh, Pulling hip-hop samples from the most unlikely of sources, daring to sing as much as, if not more, than rapping. Uh, I I just think that that this weird Afro-futuristic vision uh, combining elements of of wishing they could be in Atlantis and Christianity and and alternate spiritualities and (laughs) reincarnation. Mm. Prince B, this rotund mound of sound from Jersey City, a one-of-a-kind character. I maintain, and you continue to fight me for as long as I've known you, that the first four PM Dawn albums, 1991 to 1998, are brilliant. I'm going to play a track from the third, 1995's Jesus Wept, which uh, Prince B, a Trell Cordes of Jersey City, uh, named after the shortest verse in the Bible, all the other PM Dawn album titles are very, very long. I'm not even going to begin to get any, into any of them because the show would be over. But uh, the thing about Downtown Venus is, much like Jerome we were talking about earlier mm. by, uh, by Lizzo, I think it's one of the best Prince songs Prince never wrote. Yeah. In fact, I wish I wish Prince had lived to cover these songs on stage live with Lizzo and Prince B. And boy, would that have been a trio. Lizzo on one side, Prince B on the other. Unfortunately, Prince B died uh, way too young. Complications from diabetes in 2016. I think he was a one-of-a-kind genius. And the joy of imagining I'm in downtown Venus and I'm trying to be myself, right? I just love that. PM Dawn on Sound of Venus. Downtown Venus. And I'm trying to be by myself Myself, myself, myself Individual dreamless No one dreams enough to give me hope Delta Venus And I'm trying to divide myself Myself, myself I Downtown Venus from TM Dawn, one of Jim DeRogatis' favorite tracks about space. 
When we and return, you know, and Greg, Greg, a sample yep. of Hush by your favorites, Deep Purple. Deep Purple. You know, I'm done with uh, PM Dawn on that first record. Uh, the last, the next few, I but felt this, this like one's from recycled the third. some of those, uh, <laughs> pre- some of the first records innovations. What can I, I say? You're just, you, we're going to be at, at fisticuffs by the uh, end there, of today. Uh, there we go. But when we return, we're going to have some more songs about and inspired by outer space. And Jim's got a pick for the desert island. What do you got for us, Jim? I am going to go to my prog rock past, staying up all night as a preteen listening to The Nightbird, Allison Steele on WNEW. That's In a Minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. Woke up this morning with light in my eyes. 2,000 Light years ahead, you and me gonna be getting down on a space bed. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. He's Jim Durigatis, and today we're exploring some of our favorite tracks about outer space. And I want to talk about uh, a one-hit wonder from the 70s, a band that inspired countless fans who covered this particular song. It's uh, Another Girl, Another Planet from The Only Ones, a British band. Actually, this British band had a number of very good songs. This is the one, though, that everyone focuses on. And it, it, it's kind of a complex song. On the surface, it seems very simple. You know, this girl, she's driving me nuts. But people have said that it's a very veiled drug reference because the lead singer of the band, Peter Parrott, was a heroin user. And, uh, you know, another girl, another planet. Heroin's that drug. Heroin's his girlfriend. It's taken him to another planet whenever he shoots up. He claims in a recent interview a few years ago that the song was, in fact, inspired by a girl, a girl he met in Yugoslavia, the quote-unquote space cadet. Remember when people used to talk like that, Jim? Uh, yeah, you're a space cadet in the 70s, you know. Probably not correct uh, anymore. And uh, he uh, he says, yes, it was a girl. Uh, he says, I understand the drug references. They're, they're sort of layered in there, too. The whole idea that space uh, can be a metaphor is explored to the nth degree in this particular song. The other part about this song is that it's just indisputably, incredibly catchy. One of the most well-crafted pieces of, you know, punk slash new wave, slash post-punk, whatever you want to call it, whatever was happening in 1978, perfectly captured by this band and inspired transcendent covers by bands like The Replacements and uh, even Blink-182 had a hit with it years later. Mm. Here's a version of The Only Ones, Another Girl, Another Planet from the 1978 Peel session with the band on Sound Opinions.
The Only Ones, Another Girl, Another Planet, 1978 classic about space and a few other things uh, using space as a metaphor. Power pop, I think, uh, thrives in outer space, Greg. <laughs> but so do the Mekons. I haven't played this song in years. It's one of my all-time favorite, like, like top ten songs of all time. Ghosts of American Astronauts from the seventh album by the Mighty Mekons way back in 1988. There have been 473 albums since. Uh, no, I kid. So Good It Hurts, though, uh, was the one that introduced me to the Mekons, but I think uh, of everything they have recorded in the many different guises and offshoots, uh, Sally Tim's vocal on this incredible melancholy song that dares to ask the question, uh, did we stage the moon landing? Uh, shot in a back lot as Nixon sucked a dry martini to try to take the attention off of the people dying in Vietnam. Um, you know, when I first heard it in the uh, post-punk 80s, I thought it was typical, you know, sort of conspiracy theory, anti-imperialist, the Mekons are that to the core of their being. But you listen now in 2019, and it's as if the incredible ambition I was talking about earlier, where human beings decided we are going to go walk on that thing in the sky, mm. you know, that mesmerized us as long as, you know, since we evolved from gorillas, right? You know, think of 2001, A Space Odyssey by Stanley Kubrick, you know, daring to go beyond um and and it's almost like it never happened you know because because there's that grainy footage of it and we have nothing that ambitious as as human beings in mind anymore and now the ghosts of american astronauts floating up there as if maybe this once happened half a century ago but maybe it never did i don't know sally tims to me brings home uh the poignancy of all of that ghosts of american astronauts by the mekons on sound opinions
Ghosts of American Astronauts by the Mekons. We are doing some of our favorite songs about outer space. Greg, you have one more. I do, Jim. It's a song that uh, views space as not so much a promised land or a, a or a, uh, uncharted world of great possibility, uh, but something that's cold and heartless and terrifying. <laughs> uh, well, which it can be, can you, know? you scream, you know. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's some, there's something about big, vast spaces. You know, uh, I think that, that human beings, you know, whether we're talking about outer space or the ocean, I think everybody. Uh, that I have talked to, 90% of them have some kind of a phobia about like being caught out there, you know, the middle of the ocean, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. being being left alone in this vast, vast area that you really don't belong there. It's not part of your normal environment. Space can be intimidating, for sure. I think the, what Portishead was doing in the song Wandering Star was evoking some of that. There's a Bible passage that Beth Gibbons, the band singer and lyricist, was referring to in in the chorus in this song the whole idea of wandering stars for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever the bible refers to you know this uh place where sinners are cast out to gibbons is you know embodying this character who's going through an incredible heartache a heartbreak and uh, just can't seem to dig herself out uh, as as many of the songs on that particular debut studio album by portishead we're all about in 1994. This song really cuts to the heart of that and using space as a metaphor, again, uh, for this whole notion of a, bl- a, a darkness that is impossible to escape from. Uh, Portishead with Wandering Star from 1994 on Sound Opinions. That's Wandering Star from Portishead, a song about space, metaphorically at least. And uh, Jim, I have to say, um, you had uh, mentioned that you wanted to play this track. I had mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. had my eye on it as well. <laughs> I how beat can you. we not? How can we not have a little bit of this 
man's music as part of a show about space. We have got to talk about Sun Ra. Here we are in Chicago. It's only one of several places where Sun Ra's legendary avant-garde jazz orchestra was based, but the Chicago period was especially sweet and especially uh, outer space-minded, if you will. Space is the Place, the 1973 album recorded here in Chicago by Sun Ra, who, of course, Greg, uh, came from Saturn, came from Saturn (laughs) to the Earth in order to uh, inspire us to be better. Uh, You know, Space is is dark and threatening and scary in uh, Wandering Star by Portishead, but as we said at the beginning in George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic vision it is it is a blank canvas right mm-hmm. and and we can create anything there and the sort of ideal community and artistic free expression and music without boundaries that Sun Ra represented, certainly space is the ideal place for that. Uh, Sun is accredited with playing space organ on, mm-hmm. on this track. Uh, it's a long track. It's it's more than 21 minutes long. It opens the album. The album closes with rocket number nine. So they're in space at the start, and then they're getting on board the rocket to go up there, or maybe they're going even further, taking the next <laughs> round of their journey. You know, it's got this bizarre outer space tone to it. It sounds as if he is literally playing outer space. You know, and if we did another, like, three-hour version of this, uh, I have a wonderful record uh, recorded uh, 30 years ago by an Italian astrophysicist, a woman who who actually recorded the sounds in in space of... uh, I guess in space there are no sounds. But she she taps somehow into the stars and the noises the gases Mm. would make. I don't know. No, it's it's way too weird to play. But that's where I'm going next with my headphones on. Right now, uh, I'm going to take you way higher for the time being with Sun Ra. Space is the place on Sound Opinions. Space is the place. We all know that because uh, Sun Ra told us it was. And don't don't question Sun Ra. <laughs> oh, my God. This man was obsessed with space uh, to an, a great degree. You just look through his catalog. We travel the spaceways, door of the cosmos. I mean, his song titles evoke space. He, he loved it. There was an 85-minute movie called mm-hmm. Space is the Place released in the mid-'70s. So Sun Ra, certainly uh, his heart was with the stars. And, and yes. it always will be. And now we want to hear from you, our listeners. What's your favorite song that's about outer space? Call 888-859-1800 and leave a message telling us about your choice. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter.
That is a bit of Teach You by Emily King. Both Greg and I loved her last album, Scenery, which moved uh, deftly between pop, soul, funk, gospel, even a bit of rock. For our occasional series, Hooked on Sonics, Emily tells us about the seemingly disparate threads that helped to shape her music. I'm Emily King, and one of the songs that got me hooked on Sonics was Castles Made of Sand by Jimi Hendrix. And so castles made of sand slips into the sea eventually I grew up listening to Duke Ellington, Lambert Hendricks and Ross, Ella Fitzgerald Miles Davis as a child I was listening to that stuff because my parents were singing it. My parents had a singing group called Kim and Marion and they sang when I, my brother and I were young kids. All silver bells, coral shells, carousels, and the laughter of children at play. Say, Emily, Emily. Yeah, it was kind of just happenstance. They were always singing that stuff, and I. That was my foundation. I feel like what really shaped me after that was just 90s R&B, SWV, Mariah, Voice to Men, Mary J. Blige, Faith Evans, and all of that stuff. When I started writing songs when I was like about 16, Jimi Hendrix was my biggest inspiration at that time. And I would play Castles Made of Sand like over and over and over again. And so castles made of sand melts into the sea eventually. I just was so fascinated by the speaking verses, you know, the way he kind of um, would poetically state the verses, and then, but then there would be these musical lines that were the catchphrases of the song. She drew a wheelchair to the edge of the shore and to her leg she smiled, you won't hear me no more. But then a sight she never seen made her jump and say, look, a golden winged ship is passing my way. And it really didn't have to stop. I think that Jimmy really changed my idea of songwriting um, when I was just kind of discovering what it was. Slips into the sea. You know what? This is another point um, that is a challenge for me because sometimes your perfection is to a fault, whereas don't we love all these old records because they were live and real and raw? That was Emily King talking about Castles Made of Sand, the song that got her hooked on Sonics. I tell you what, 
tell you, little buddy, this whole island is bewitched. As often as possible, we like to take a trip to the Desert Island and play a track we cannot live without on the Desert Island Jukebox. Jim, what do you got for us this week? Greg, I'm going back to my uh, uh, my barely uh, teenaged uh, progressive rock years, staying up all night with the FM radio on to WNEW across the river in Manhattan. There was a wonderful DJ named Allison Steele. She called herself the Nightbird, mm. and she was the uh, mistress of all things progressive rock. She really broke Genesis in the United States, but her second favorite band, at least as I heard it, because she played them all the time, was the group Renaissance from uh, from the UK. I think of all the great progressive giants, Genesis, yes, uh, you know, the ELP, uh, Renaissance gets, gets very little respect, in part because they were doing such a unique thing thing. Uh, led by a woman, I think one of the greatest voices in uh, in pop music history, chronically underrated, Annie Haslam. So Renaissance comes together uh, just after the original Yardbirds end, when Keith Relf and Jim McCarty decide they want to do something, quote unquote, a little more classical, right? And Annie Haslam is an incredible uh, vocalist with a five octave range. She eventually partners up with John Tout, a wonderful classical pianist. The Yardbirds boys only stick around for the first two albums, and then comes together the classic Renaissance uh, lineup. Uh, their fifth album, A Turn of the Cards, 1974, I think is one of the best. It was, uh, again, much like Hawkwind earlier in the show, a band that drew on the work of some very talented poets to come up with its lyrics. The song I'm going to play, Mother Russia, is a tribute to the Russian writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who'd been exiled in 74 from the Soviet Union for daring to think outside of the allowable box. And the poet Betty Thatcher wrote the song, and, and it's delivered as this wonderful tribute to the real soul of Mother Russia, who is not being able to live in Russia at fear of losing his life at that time. You know, in, in typical uh, progressive rock fashion, we have a long, long instrumental uh, intro, and there's strings, and there's piano crescendos, and then there's the heart of the song with uh, Annie's vocal, which is just absolutely beautiful. I'm really surprised that uh, bands like, say, The Decemberists or Arcade Fire don't mention Renaissance more as one of the orchestral pop kind of uh, rediscoveries, you know, that everybody goes back to Nick Drake and stuff like that. And uh, so, the, but, but I hear a lot of the roots of what we've heard as orc pop for the last decade in what Renaissance was doing in 74. Here they are, Mother Russia on Sound Opinions. Pays the price, works the seasons through. Frozen days, he thinks of you. Cold as ice, but he burns for you. Mother Russia, can't you hear him? Freedom's overdue Lonely 
Mother Russia by Renaissance from 1974, my desert island jukebox pick. Greg, what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we are in the era of uh, multiple band reunions, and we're going to talk about the ones that we think actually work. It's a short list, but it'll be a fun (laughs) one. Download Sound Opinions wherever you get your podcast thingies. As always, the show was produced by Brendan Banizak, Alex Claiborne, Iona Contreras, and Andrew Gill. episode and oh my god it brought me so distinctly back to the winter break of my first year of college i was back home in tallahassee and it brought such a visceral memory of driving around after christmas in a gloomy gray day after having just gone to see requiem for a dream and listening to play on my car stereo and I haven't listened to that album in so many years but that's what I'm going to do right now thank you so much for that show it made my day hi my name is Dan so I was just listening to your interview with Moby and you're asking how the rave scene affected people's lives. So with my life, it affected it greatly. I'm now 42 years old, and the feelings which I had with being in the rave scene, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, where the rave scene was massive, and just the feeling of community with being in that scene was absolutely life-changing for me. I grew up in a conservative Christian home, and seeing that and experiencing that for the first time was, it changed my entire way of looking at life. So I really appreciated your guys' interview and Moby's insights, and uh, thanks. Have a good day. This is Lauren from Nashville. I just wanted to comment on the show with Moby. You were playing a lot of stuff from play, and all I have are the most fantastic memories of walking around Kew Garden in London with my aunt back in the 90s, listening to that album on repeat. So I just have these fantastic visuals in my head right now of these amazing plants in bloom that you probably couldn't see anywhere else. Thank you. My name is John. I'm calling from Chicago. I'm calling in regards to your recent show about Moby, which was fantastic. 
and I was in college at the height of the uh, Moby play phenomenon, and I went on a study abroad trip to the UK, and during that trip we went on a tour of Scotland, bus tour, and we'd been on a train all night, we were just exhausted, and we all fell asleep. And while we were asleep, the bus driver had put Moby Play on the bus's stereo. And I woke up at one moment, and Why Does My Heart Feel So Bad was playing. Why does my heart I woke up and there was this amazing music playing and we were in the middle of the most incredible scenery I had ever seen. And it's just one of those sort of otherworldly moments. I was kind of between wake and sleep and this ethereal music was playing. And anytime I hear a Moby song or anyone mentions Moby, I immediately think of that moment of kind of being out of the country for the first time and being in another world. And so it was really fun to remember that during your show. So thanks so much. No more messages. To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.